even though it's tough, consider competition as a good sign. Consider it as validation towards your idea and trust that people will want to learn from you because of who you already are, not because of your clout or your number of followers. All right, guys, growing your wellness business doesn't have to mean working around the clock and feeling exhausted. So welcome to the Healthy Hustle Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Feldman, and I have been in your shoes. I've been in the wellness space for over nine years, and I know what it feels like to feel overwhelmed. I took my wellness business from 13K that first year and feeling fried and exhausted to over six figures. Now I'm a business coach for health and wellness professionals just like you, and I create done-for-you content and programs to help you save time and money so you can spend more time nailing down your niche, understanding your buyer avatar, attracting your ideal client, and building your business from the ground up the right way. So sit down and let's get started. Are you struggling with email marketing for your coaching business? Building an email list is crucial to connect with your clients and increase conversions, but it's not easy. That's where the Cleaning Hacks List Builder and Marketing Kit comes in. You'll get everything you need to build an email list of raving fans and potential clients, including a lead magnet, cover images, opt-in page, thank you page, and follow-up emails. And the best part, it's completely free. And if that isn't enough, I've also created video guides to walk you step-by-step through the setup process. Download your free kit and make it happen. Hey guys, I'm so excited to be here on this episode with my good friend, Melissa. We had connected about course creation. I know it's something that you guys really want to know about. We're going to be talking tech. We're going to be talking course length, all course included. So Melissa, without further ado, can you actually introduce yourself to everyone a little juicy information about you? Sure. Well, first of all, I'm thrilled to be here. So excited to be around people who are also hoping to you know, help others and maybe talk about the exploration of courses as a possibility. So my name is Melissa. I have a business called Wit and Wire and I help business owners create and sell online courses so they can expand their earning potential, maybe scale beyond one-on-one work and help design a business that you truly enjoy that gives you a life beyond work. And my background is a little unique in the space because I've worked behind the scenes in the online course industry for years. I worked for Ramit Sethi. He's running an eight figure course business. I managed his launch team. Then I worked for Teachable, one of the major software players in the space. And I think it just gave me such a unique perspective because I got to really learn what it took to run an eight-figure course course business. And then I got to analyze a lot of data from so many diverse businesses using Teachable. So after doing all of that, I felt like the way that I could move forward and make a bigger impact was to go on my own, start a business, and really start to work more closely with business owners. So I really enjoyed everything that led me to this point, both like professionally and just from a teaching background. And I'm really excited now to share some more of that and see if we can help people consider courses maybe for their businesses. Well, and I know courses are like hot. They have become like (laughs) that everyone wants. So let's talk about what is the initial step that somebody should take to put their course together? It's funny. I used to joke that nobody knew what I did for work. That was before the <laughs> pandemic because I've been in this industry for years. And now you're absolutely right. More and more people are considering courses and for good reason. And I think a good tipping point, especially for coaches and service providers, is you may start to notice you're doing the same process. Yeah. You're working with clients and you're starting to develop 
maybe without even calling it like a signature system, you're developing the way that you help people. You have a package or maybe you work with people in a certain way and you've got that own special way that you do it that helps your clients get results. And the more you start to notice, you know, I actually have this method, the more and more it could come to mind, you know what, maybe I could package this as a course. Because what I started to notice when I was working with one-on-one clients is I almost felt like they would be better served if they had some element of curriculum. Like, okay, here's the the actions that you're going to take. You could watch these videos. You could do these workbook exercises, then come back to me next time. We'll review it together. So I really feel like putting that almost like I said, signature system in this packaged form, that's going to be a good indicator. And then another could be just people asking you similar questions. Like if people are constantly asking you, Hey, could you help me do this? Hey, could you help me reach this goal? That could have been already the motivation to start a one-on-one offer. But if you don't have that offer, or maybe you're just starting to see like a new trend forming, I think that's a good little green flag that there could be a course idea too. I love that because I always suggest if somebody's doing one-on-one, I say, take a program or a course and systemize that because you you can have your clients instead of teaching them during those coaching sessions, you're actually coaching. But now we're talking about leveraging this at a whole different level. Mm-hmm. And think about how much of a kindness it can be for your clients, because if they were to, let's say, join a course with you. Now they don't have to pay for your time for you to just share that knowledge out loud. Now, maybe there's an opportunity for them to go through this course. Maybe they could still work with you. You could add on -on one-on-one calls. You could consider elements of group coaching. I think it's a myth that an online course has to be totally detached from students. And in fact, personally, the way I like to create courses is that there is some element of me getting to support students and really help them through it. Not every course at every price point should be that way. But Mm. I think for those of us who do enjoy working with people, courses can help you bridge the gap where you can help at scale, but you still get to be involved and make an impact on people's lives. How do you figure out, because I think the coach's dilemma is always teaching too much. I mean, I think it's a professional dilemma and just in general, (laughs) we want to give so much. How do you decide what to put in your course? So I know we it's talked a good question, it, but like how not to overdo it to the point that your person's overwhelmed. When I imagine listeners for this show, like you've got this service, people are paying you because they have a goal that they want to reach. And so whenever I'm helping somebody outline their curriculum, I think this natural inclination is put in as much value, share as much info. That's how they're going to get their money's worth. But in fact, the opposite is true. What we want to do is provide the fastest path from where they are today to where they want to be, because ultimately that's why people are paying us, whether it's a course or a service. So we have to be kind of, I would say, sharp about editing and really ask, okay, now that I've maybe done this brain dump, now that I'm looking at all the knowledge that I could share, is this crucial? If my student didn't have this lesson, could they still reach their goal? Because the more things you put between them and their finish line, the less likely they are to reach it. And I would say the same thing extends even to decision-making. Like for me in the course creation universe, it would not be helpful if I recommended 20 different tools for people to choose from. Instead, it's actually far better if I narrow it down and say, maybe here are the three that I recommend, this for group A, this for group B. That way people can still personalize what they do. But if I just gave them a list of 20, that's no better than a free blog post they could get on the internet. So people are really looking to you for guidance So the more decisions we can remove from the process, the better. And I guess that even goes into, do you see if we are thinking of this, whether it's self-paced or whether with extra support, 
what is kind of that sweet spot of a course length? I think that this depends on two things. One is what is your buyer's expectation of how long it takes to reach this goal? Like, let's say somebody was teaching a course that had to do with changing somebody's diet or changing the way that their physical body looks or the way that they can build strength. You know, that doesn't happen overnight. Right. So you want to ask yourself, like, what is their expectation around how quickly I can reach this goal? But then also the other side of it is your expertise. Like, how long do you think it'll take? And what's interesting about course length is I want us to think about what is the time from the day the student joins the course to the day that they have accomplished the goal or completed the transformation. And I think especially in health and wellness, there's this misconception of like, oh, well, habits are forever. New practices are forever. Like if you're helping somebody start, let's say like a yoga practice, of course, that's a lifelong habit, but how quickly could you help them initiate the new right. practice? That's really what the question is. So it's also not about video length. If they could watch a one hour video a week, that doesn't answer the question, how much work are they doing? So I think the course length should reflect how long it would take this person to make a meaningful change. And you also need to factor in how much time they have to give. Because let's say I had the same buyer, maybe they have an interest in watercolor painting, but they need a new job. One of those is far more urgent, far more important. Yeah. So they're going to spend more time, frankly, more money on the course about getting a job that doesn't invalidate, let's say the watercolor painting course. There's such a big opportunity to bring joy to people's lives through hobbies, but you can start to see how this is such a big deal to get a new job. They're going to make the time for that. They're going to have more time. So that's a huge factor I don't see enough people talking about. It's not just months. Also think about like hours per week for your average motivated ideal buyer. I love that. I think that gives a really great framework for anybody craving their course. I want to, something that I see coaches fall into this trap constantly is that they will have a course together, but then they don't market it properly. So with your marketing expertise, I would love to hear from you, like, how soon in advance or how far in advance, I mean, do you actually need to start marketing your course? I love this question. And I think my approach is a little bit different than a lot oh, of I other experts. <laughs> yeah. So I think what I see happening often, and I saw this, especially working at Teachable, a lot of creators jump ahead to what they see their favorite business owners doing. Facebook ads, webinars, big launches, partnerships, big promos, all of that. And the problem is not that those don't work. They work really well. Yeah. I think instead, here's the real issue. So let's say you're launching a new course for the first time. If you put that offer out there and you do this big webinar and you put in all this marketing energy and then it doesn't sell, how will you know if it was the marketing that didn't work or mm -hmm. the offer itself? Because what most people don't realize, and there's this concept from direct marketing, it's called the 40-40-20 rule. This describes people's decisions to buy. So 40% of their decision is, are they the right buyer? 40% is, are they interested in the offer? And 20% is creative, everything else. So to just do wow. the math, 80% of someone's decision to make a purchase, whether it's a course, a product, anything, just comes down to if you sold the right thing to the right person. And I think that should put a lot of us at ease. It means you don't need to be a master marketer to sell courses. If you can really nail the offer itself, if you can figure out what your audience really wants, what is their existing desire that you can help them reach? And you put that offer in front of them. You don't need bells and whistles to sell it. So for the very first time you sell a new course, I think it's better to like pare down all the marketing 
and just put it out there to say, hey, I'm launching this new course. Here's the essentials. Here's who it's for. And then invite people to join. Just be straight up. I think people like transparency. Yeah. And that way, if, if it gets in front of enough people, then you'll know if your offer is profitable. You can always scale up later. Oh, I love that. I love that. When you're thinking about courses, um, let's talk the other big dilemma. <laughs> let's talk about tech. Because everyone, I, I hear this constantly like, Rach, I'm a really great coach, but tech is killing me. Or everyone's jumping around into tech platforms because they think there's something that's completely perfect. I would love to hear from you, your, your advice on this. This is one of my favorite topics. I personally am very tech savvy and quickly realized that that is not the norm. Most people's least favorite topic. So it's something I like to demystify a little to make it feel a little less daunting. So I think the best framework I found to talk about tech is to describe what I call the six C's of course creation. We're going to define the different areas of creating a course. Then we can get into some literal recommendations, but let's start with the first C, which is curriculum. So if you're teaching online or in person, you would need probably slides to convey your knowledge, maybe some resources to help your students work through the material. That's curriculum. And if you teach live workshops over Zoom or if you pre-record your videos, anything that goes into how you package and share your knowledge, I call that curriculum. The second C is classroom. And this is the tool most people think about. It's the actual online course platform. We're not teaching in person. We can't just show up in a room. We have to create the room. And that's something unique for online course creators is the fact that you have to create the place where your students learn. And a big misconception around tech is that the online course platforms, like the Teachables of the world and the other great platforms out there, you cannot create curriculum like slides. You cannot hit a record button and create video. It's more like imagining a website. The website doesn't come built with videos or blog posts or the content. You create that and then you upload it to the website. Same thing with course creation. You create your own curriculum using any tools you're comfortable with, and then you upload it to the course platform where it creates sections, lessons, the login where your students can access the curriculum. So even just having that distinction between those two C's is huge. I can run through the other four. They're a little more yeah, straightforward. I would love to things hear like, the other four. Yeah, there are things like community. Especially in this post-pandemic era, more and more courses are incorporating a community element. And it's definitely not required. It's not for everybody. But I think for the right student, it can enhance their experience to be able to connect with peers. So that could be a question you ask. Is community a core part of my offer? And can my course platform do that for me? Or do I need a separate tool? So that's the third C. Then we have communication. It is crucial that you are in touch with your students. Things like, how will I send them updates? How will I send them welcome emails? Yeah. This ultimately comes down to email marketing platforms. Again, for some business owners, you probably already have email marketing in place, which is great. You can tag your students. You can keep in touch with them that way. That's a whole level of tech we won't dive into here. But <laughs> the point is email marketing is bigger than course creation. So if you already have that, that's perfect. For those of you a little more on the ground floor, Maybe you are looking for like an all-in-one marketing tool, something that could help you build a website, your course, email marketing. It's going to be a little more jack of all trades, but that could be an option. But that's the fourth C is communication, both from you to your students. And you also have to answer the question, how can they get in touch with me? And it could just be a support email. It could be straightforward, but that's an area I see a lot of course creators skip. And inevitably your students are going to have questions. Yeah. They can't access their material or they have a more strategic question. You need to ask yourself, how am I going to support them when they inevitably get stuck? So that's the fourth C, communication. 
Then we have the fifth C, which is critique. This will depend on the price point of your program and expectations, but some course creators might choose to actually provide feedback on their students' work. So in my programs, I offer critique. You can have the extended opportunity to either post questions in my community and I will reply. Like somebody could post an outline of their course, I'm going to reply with a personalized video. Or they could come to a group coaching call and I will offer critique on their work and open discussion. So I don't want anyone listening to hear me say, oh, you definitely have to do this or you definitely have to have group coaching. Certainly not. But I, I think, think it, it adds, is really I helpful. I think it adds an extra element of really taking mm -hmm your client because I, you know, you imagine you're going through a course, there's so much new information, you're trying to digest it and you have these questions and it's like, you really need to have that open door of communication. It makes such a difference. I think, especially to buyers, because imagine all of the clients perhaps that you've worked with, they always hit sticking points. And even if you craft a perfect course, you've left no stone unturned. It is flawlessly executed from start to finish people will still have doubts in their mind. They want to know, did I do this right? They want to talk to a human. And so to me, that's why this fifth C critique is so crucial. Yeah, I think that the value it adds really just elevates the overall experience. And frankly, I think it leads to better outcomes. I think I get more testimonials for my programs because people have a place to go where they get stuck. And if they want me to review their work and then I reply and they feel either you know emboldened by the validation yeah. or they feel supported because I've helped guide them perhaps in a, you know, slightly tweaked direction with my expertise. I just think it makes people far more likely to succeed, creates raving fans, helps them promote it to their friends. It builds your business. So I especially think for coaches, this is going to be a natural fit for a lot of us. Yeah. yeah. I, love that. I can wrap up quickly with the sixth yeah, and final seat, which is one more. Yes, it is conversion. So you've, so far talked about building the course itself. Now we have to talk about how will people buy it? Usually conversion is a two-part system. One is the sales page where you communicate the value of the course, the contents of the course, the price point of the course, all the literal information that a buyer would need. And then the second page is often a checkout. Sometimes it could be an application for a program of a right price point, but you need to figure out how am I going to give people the opportunity to give me money? They're very important. So those cover the six C's to briefly recap. We had curriculum versus classroom. Those are the two that I think are the most helpful to distinguish. Then yeah. we talked about community as an option, communication, critique as an optional feature that I think will really appear, appeal to coaches, and finally conversion. Are you a health coach struggling to grow your business and attract new clients? Do you wish you had a secret weapon that could help you scale your business and make it look easy, just like the super successful health coaches? Well, look no further, my friend, because I have the solution for you. My beautifully crafted down few programs are exactly what you need to take your health coaching biz to the next level. These programs are the key to sparkling momentum, attracting clients ready for transformation and building new offers to scale your business. Don't waste any more time creating marketing materials and course content. I've already done the hard work for you. Our done for you programs include everything you need from presentations to modules, curriculum, workbooks, cheat sheets, expertly researched recipes, and more. And the best part, you can get your signature health coaching program done for you. Imagine having everything you need to create a successful program without any of the stress or hassle. 
This is your opportunity to grow your business and serve your clients in the best way possible. Act now and get 25% off with the code SUMMER25 before May 30th at 1159 p.m. Eastern. Yo, visit yourhealthcoachbiz.com to learn more and take advantage of this incredible offer. Don't miss out on the chance to transform your health coaching business today. And when we're thinking about doing courses, do you think that it's important to add homework and like accountability? Do you think that that works better in a course? It's such a good question. And I think it'll really depend on each person's buyer and what suits them. What I think is a non-negotiable is a focus on action. So my programs are based in adult learning theory, which is the psychology behind how adults learn and how it differs from kids. And one of the biggest differences is the fact that adult learners are intrinsically motivated. They have chosen to take this course. They have invested money in this course. When you're a kid, you go to school because that's just the way of the world. You go to school, that's what eight-year-olds do. But as an adult, your buyers have opted in to be here. There is a reason why they want the goal that is the promise of your program. And so because of that, it's not enough to only give them knowledge. Your learners want to make a change in their life. They've purchased this course because they want an evolution. They want to go from where they are today to where they'll be by the end. So there has to be a backbone of action throughout the way. Now, whether or not they submit it publicly, either to you or to a community, that's completely up to each of us. But I think the takeaway I hope people get, even about designing their course, is that it has to be action-oriented. Because if they're only learning and consuming videos, they're not actually implementing change in their life. I love that. I think that's such a key point. And I think that's probably a mistake that many make when they're putting their course together is they don't give action steps. That's exactly it. And in fact, when I review outlines, that's one of the biggest mistakes because people think about the knowledge they want to share. But right. then I take a look at a section and I say, okay, well, that's great. They've now watched all of these videos, but what have they done? Right. And so even if that's maybe the biggest takeaway of this whole episode, I think that that would be so crucial. And I think really comforting for coaches or people who are working one-on-one -on -one and trying to convert that into a course, because just take a look at your task list. What do you usually do with your clients? Or what do you usually discuss on the calls? That is probably the backbone for your course curriculum. I love that. Um, I think that that aspect of giving people action steps. I know that when we create a program, I make sure that those action steps are in there because we need a focus. If we just have a lot of information, it doesn't focus us down to like what we need to do. And we can even do those in the support emails. This relates also to your earlier question about cutting things out or how do you know how much to include? Instead of thinking about like, okay, what are all the lessons I could teach somebody? Maybe reverse that. Ask, okay, if somebody wanted to reach this goal, what are all the tasks they would need to accomplish? And then one step backwards, what do I need to teach them in order for them to successfully complete this task list? To me, that's one of the best ways you can create a really efficient and effective course, but it is slightly reversed from the way that I think most people approach curriculum creation. With your background, I would love to hear for finding out how to nail that course and know that you are giving the right course. Tell me about um, how you like to do market research. I think one of the scariest things about market research is that it's not enough to just stay behind the scenes. The best way to know if your offer is going to sell is to put it in front of people. Got now, it. obviously, there are a few steps you can do before that. So one of the things that you can do naturally is to research competitors, but you're not necessarily looking at price points, nor do they need to have a course. What you're looking to answer is, will my buyer 
spend money to reach this outcome. So if you can find people offering one-on-one services or even in your own business, if people have purchased that outcome from you, that's a really good green flag that it could be packaged as a course. And so you can kind of look around and see, it's really important to focus on people who speak to the same audience as you, because ultimately if a different audience values that outcome, that is not relevant to validating your idea for your course. You have to have that combo of who is your ideal buyer? What is the deep desire that they already have? Like the big goal. Usually it's like increasing something or decreasing something. They want to increase their strength or decrease their anxiety, increase their revenue, decrease something, right? So what's that thing that they already want? And then what's the strategy that you're going to help them accomplish? So if you can combine those three in my programs, I call it the profitable course formula. Then what you want to do is start pretty literally asking people if that's something they'd be interested in. And even if you only have a small audience, if you put it out there in my programs, I help people talk to just a couple of people to see what is this deep problem? Is this a solution people are actually going to pay for? That's something that you can do to validate demand. Even talking to two people makes a huge difference. And then beyond that, truly the only way to know if it will sell is to sell it. And I know that that sounds maybe obvious, but (laughs) it's all well and good when people say they might pay you. (laughs) But really, like if you put it out there and you say, hey, this is the new course, I'm going to start it in a couple of weeks or a month from now. If you're interested yeah. in joining, let me know. I'll send over more info and then they pay you money. That is the only way to know if your idea will sell. So for that reason, I usually encourage people to put offers out there a little sooner perhaps than they feel comfortable. You're not going to create the whole course. It's not going to be perfectly produced because you don't yet know if that's a good use of your time. So again, it's a little more casual, a little less intuitive perhaps than what people are used to with the big fanfare of marketing, but hopefully it's also very time-saving and can de-risk the chance that you might create a course that cannot sell. So I really want people to put their offers out there sooner, or you could try offering it as a one-on-one offer. If you have not already done that, that's another way to see if people would be willing to pay for that outcome. And it's another way to even see if that outcome is doable. And what exactly, like, can you help people reach that outcome? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So true. So let's talk about, we talked about Teachable for Little, but let's talk about what are some of the other comparison tech platforms that are out there for courses? If it is okay to share, we will offer a freebie at the end where I have a side-by-side comparison of all of the options. (laughs) So people can kind of look into it, see what's right for them. I do want to say, I don't think there's such a thing as one best tool for everyone. I think there are different tools that suit different personalities, different business needs. And so that's why I think my number one rec, even before anyone checks out the list, ask yourself, like, what are your non-negotiables? What do you need a course platform to do for you? What do you envision as your course experience? Do you need what I call an all-in-one platform where your website, your course creation, your email marketing, it's all under one roof, or maybe you already have a website with something like Squarespace or WordPress. Maybe you already have an email marketing platform. And so then you'd be going down route number two, which I call creating a tech stack where you would be effectively hiring specialists rather than a generalist. So that's what I mean about different tools suiting different business owners. So just to give maybe... The, the general categories, and then I'll name a few. I would say category one is the all-in-one platform. It's the tool that can create a website, email marketing, your landing pages, your courses, maybe even community. It can do everything under one roof. Right. And if you want to go in that direction, the two I recommend are either Kajabi or a more budget-friendly option called System. Uh, and you're going to find all the links to all of these in the downloadable. Um, but that's kind of the first route. The second route, I would call the more classic route. 
you're looking for a course creation platform that can create a really wonderful experience where students can log in, access the courses, go through them from start to finish, have a really clean experience. And that's where Teachable falls, the, the company where I used to work. But I also want to shout out to Thinkific because I think they're also yeah. a very excellent classic tool. Um, I, I might even argue that as of the time of this recording, it's always changing, but they now have a community feature as part of their platform. Teachable doesn't have that. I have no insider knowledge. I would make a strong hunch that they could be developing one. Again, right. <laughs> it's, it's based on nothing other than just being in this industry and having a hunch that if they're not, that they should be. Um, right. But those are the two kind of in the, the classic category. And then like a newer third direction, I would say, are the courses for whom community comes first. Like a community first approach is what I usually call it, where it is crucial for you that your students can have discussions, communicate with each other, post for accountability. I think that this approach can work for people who are developing a practice rather than starting a project. So for example, one of my programs, Course Builders, I help people create and launch a new signature course. That's a project. There will be a clear end date. Obviously there's much that follows the launch of the course, but there's a pretty set project timeline. And that's super different from the yoga instructor we talked about before, where at the end of that course, You've helped somebody develop a practice, but maybe it would help to have a community first approach where people are sharing that they've done their practice this morning or sharing tips that have worked for them. Then that's more about habit development, practicing. So community first, I would say one of the tools that a lot of people are becoming familiar with is called Circle, founded by actually two of my friends who I used to work with at Teachable, and they have now founded this business. So I've been with them from the start. But there are some other, I would say, up-and-comers in that lane as well. And wow. Circle now has a courses feature, but it's very, very essential. So that's why I think it's important to know if you're course first or community first, because it could affect the way that you prioritize, you know, how robust those, those features are going to be. So all-in-one, course first or community first. And you're going to see the full list in the downloadable that we'll share at the end of the episode, or it's at wittenwire.com slash course toolkit. Perfect. So do you think we've missed anything in this episode? I would just say that one thing I know holds a lot of people back from creating a course is the fear that they're not a guru. They're not an influencer. They're not like this huge name in your space, or you see other people who are much bigger and you think, oh, they're already selling this course. I couldn't do it. It's already been taken. And I think maybe to flip the mindset on that a little bit, if you see a lot of other courses in your category, that's actually a good sign. That's one way to validate demand. If you see a lot of people who are targeting your buyer with the outcome that you want to help people reach, it's not as though they have trademarked that concept. There are other people who talk about course creation, about online business, about health. Like there's there's plenty of people. And that's because these are in demand. These yeah. are topics that really affect people's lives. Health, wellness, relationships. These are three pillars of marketing that a lot of people talk about in course creation and product development. And so I think what I can say is that even though it's tough, consider competition as a good sign, consider it as validation towards your idea and trust that people will want to learn from you because of who you already are, not because of your clout or your number of followers. Like I think your point of view, your perspective, your voice in your industry matters. And what's really great about online business is that you have the opportunity to reach, I would say like a wider audience than ever, but it doesn't have to be that way to start. Like I sold my first course when I had 500 people on my email list. And even that number might sound big to some people, but you only need like a handful of students to get started. 
Like imagine you sold a $500 course and you enrolled five students. It's $2,500 just to prove the concept and to create your curriculum the first time and to get feedback. And I think that's a pretty good paycheck for a first version of a course that could become foundational to your business. So I just want to say, you don't have to be a huge guru. In fact, maybe you're more relatable because people see you as being closer to where they are versus this big shot who feels totally unattainable. And people will want to work with you because of who you are, your personality, all the things that you bring to the table. So I don't want that to stop anybody. I believe anybody can be a great course creator if you have the heart to help others. Oh, I think that is the perfect line. (laughs) Seriously, this has been such an amazing podcast. Guys, make sure that you download this freebie. It sounds amazing. Make sure that you follow Melissa. And if you have any questions about her work, please reach out to her. Can you remind everyone where to find you? I'm online anywhere at Wit & Wire. So mostly I'm on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at Wit & Wire. Or again, that freebie with the course platform side-by-side comparison is at witandwire.com slash course toolkit. Well, thank you so much for being here today. All right, guys, make sure that you follow this amazing woman. Clearly, she is a plethora of knowledge. And so she is somebody that you want to have in your pocket. All right, stay tuned for the next episode. Bye, guys. All right, guys, that is all for today. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any future episodes. While you're there, it would mean the world to me if you take just a few seconds and leave me an honest review. Truth is, I love honesty. Your reviews help me to reach even more health coaches and wellness professionals who are ready to explode their business and want the truth in this non-BS approach. You can find all the links and the information mentioned in this episode at www.rachelafeldman.com backslash podcast. All right, so don't forget to tag me on Instagram at Rachel A. Feldman and let me know what was your favorite part of the episode. This will help me to create even better content for you, bring on awesome peeps to tell you the truth about how they built their business, plus other speakers to help you take your business to the top without overwhelm. Thanks for listening and I'll see you guys soon.